RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. It's Tuesday night, lucky 13th of March, and you're tuned in to Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Ken Ray. Each Tuesday night, we are here with you, and you are here with us live talking about Star Trek. So, what have we been up to? Well, let's catch you up with the Mission Log crew. If you were with us a few nights ago in Los Angeles, California, beautiful eh, Los Angeles, California, you were at an amazing party. Uh, thank you, one and all, to the people who joined us at Scum and Villainy Cantina. Uh, we were doing the live show, or a live show, which will go up uh, audio and video very soon for all to see. Well, and here. That's going to be, uh, the video, of course, is going to go up on Facebook and YouTube, and the audio is going to go up in the Mission Log feed as a supplemental. But yes, it will actually be a supplemental coming out on a supplementary day and not on the Thursday day. More on that in just a moment. Um, it was also a fundraiser, by the way, for Amnesty International. Uh, it was billed as Roddenberry's Night of Diversity, and we hope that it's just the start of many events just like it. And uh, and really, just thank you to everybody who came out and said hey. And, and lots of people said really nice things. Lots of people came out in amazing costumes. Um, a good time was had by all. And so thanks to everybody who made it. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, another thing that we have done is we have released our interview with Gates McFadden. So if you haven't picked that up yet, definitely check it out in the main Mission Log feed. Um, and we have wrapped up our coverage, though. I wouldn't say that we've wrapped up every conversation ever to be had about the <laughs> next generation. I think there is still more that we will be discussing down the road, but but we've really wrapped up the main coverage of Next Gen. So that means that just two days from now, we will finally dock at Deep Space Nine. On Thursday, March 15th, we drop our first episode for that series, Emissary, and it'll take about three and a half years to work our way through all seven seasons. So stick around. If you're an old fan, we hope that we bring new and different perspective. If you're a new fan, well, you get to come along for the ride with us. And uh, thank you to everyone who is joining us tonight. If you're watching us live, hey, if you're (laughs) catching the show later, well, you're either watching the video on Facebook or at YouTube uh, on youtube.com slash Prod. We also put the audio of this very show in its own special podcast feed. You can find that on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Speaking of fine podcasts, head over to podcast.roddenberry.com where you will find links to all of our shows, Mission Log, Mission Log Live, The Trek Files, Women at War, Priority One, just so many shows and more coming or so I've heard. So if you are watching us right now, specifically watching us right now, please do me a favor. Go ahead and hit like and hit share because, you know, if you like us, then people say, hey, what's he over there liking? Why don't I check that out? Or what's she over there liking? Why don't I do that too? So either on YouTube or on Facebook, go ahead and hit like and hit share uh, because uh, liking is fun and sharing is caring, uh, as they all say. Uh, We have a special guest with us tonight, a guy named, um, I can't remember his name. Oh, uh, Ra- 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 Ralph Rodden something. Yes, yes. Rod Roddenberry is actually going to be joining us in a few minutes. So please get your questions ready and call in on the Zoom link, uh, which you can find in the description. Or you can click the one tap number from your smartphone or dial us the old fashioned way. Uh, you know, pick up the thing and, and say to Sarah, uh, connect me to 669-900-6833. Again, 669-900-6833, then enter the meeting code and meet with us, won't you? Hey, uh, kind of fun to see our friends who are joining us right now. Uh, We have uh, Rick Carter saying that the Gates interview got him a little misty. And and he could admit it. Uh, That's nice to hear, Rick. And and we have a special hello uh, from someone who is on the show, Tracy Coco, her very self. So hi there, Tracy. Thank you for joining us tonight. Always glad to see our friends drop by on the live show. Hey, one thing that we do is we like to put up a poll question before we uh, start the live show. Now, last week, we asked you when we had Dayton Ward on as our special guest, Star Trek novels, should they be canon or not? 34% of you said yes, 
and 66% of you were right. (laughs) (laughs) Way to be accepting of other uh, viewpoints, Mr. Chandler. Can Itik. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this week's question really isn't so much a question as a as a please finish this statement. Uh, So the poll question this week is not really a question, more of a poll comment, if you will. Um, I watch Star Trek four, not the number four, but I watch Star Trek. The reason I watch Star Trek is uh, entertainment is is option number one. Inspiration is option number two. So. If you were to finish that sentence, would you finish that sentence? I watch Star Trek for entertainment, or would you finish it? I watch Star Trek for inspiration. Uh, currently, we're at 65% entertainment, 35% inspiration, but there's plenty of time throughout the show to go ahead and weigh in. And actually, that poll stays open, well, at least for the next several days. I don't know exactly when the poll ends and the next poll begins, which you know, sounds yeah. really deep and mind-blowing when you think about it. It's probably about a week is what I'm... Uh, what the voices in my head are telling me. <laughs> I, I think they're coming from our technical director, Brandon, but you know, I wouldn't guarantee it. <laughs> so, but it's an interesting question, Ken, because I, I, I think that we all watch Star Trek in different ways at different times. Uh, uh, sometimes you might be watching Star Trek for a job. Um, and sometimes you might be entertained, but then surprised to find that you find a little bit of inspiration in a show. Uh, or sometimes you might be looking for the inspiration, but then are vastly entertained by it, too. Yeah, the difficult thing about the poll question, honestly, is it, it, it's, it's binary. Because, I mean, I don't think we watch it just for inspiration. Because if you're just watching for inspiration and it wasn't entertaining, I don't think you'd be that inspired at the same time. If it's just, you know, if you're just watching for explosions or things like that, if there are just certain things that entertain you, maybe you don't care at all about the, the messages. I th- think there's a, there, there are shades of gray, John. There are shades of gray. In yeah, sadly, there are shades of gray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, and, and so, I mean, it really is kind of unfair because we are asking you to choose one or the other. But at the end of the day, I guess maybe the question we're asking is which one is more important or, or what is it that keeps you coming back to Star Trek as opposed to, Heck, there are, you know, all kinds of DC uh, superhero things on now, all kinds of Marvel superhero things on now, all kinds of other science fiction you could be watching. What is it that draws you back to Star Trek? Is it the entertainment, moreover, or the uh, inspiration? So, well, it's kind of cool. question. Well, we're already getting some interesting replies from people. Um, uh, Chris Riker says, uh, inspertainment. <laughs> and um, Debbie... <laughs> Debbie says, uh, I'm attracted to Star Trek because of the inspiration and stay because I'm entertained. Uh, Will says, little column A, little column B. And uh, let's see, David says, I watch Star Trek while accidentally doing my job. (laughs) And uh, Chris Riker says, no, I never watch Trek for Shades of Grey. So, um, yeah, I think you're missing the bet. 48 minutes and you got like 20 episodes right there. I think you're really for maximizing your, your, your viewing. Um, well, pleasure might be going a little far, but if you're trying to get as many episodes as you can in one sitting, shades of gray is the way I'm just saying, Hey, uh, we do want to get to your calls. We do of course also want to get to our guest, uh, but we do have a little bit of business that we want to do beforehand, Mr. Champion. I like doing a little bit of business. So yeah, make sure you're, you're ready to call. Make sure you click on that Zoom link and you'll be connected to us and connected to Rod in just a moment. Before we get to those calls, we need to remind you about our shop, our tea Public shop. Now you can get to that by going to missionlogpodcast.com and then conveniently clicking on shop. We, we made it logical like that. Carl Huber is our designer extraordinaire and he has been cranking out just a ton of cool stuff for our shop. Uh, Ken, what might you find if you went to the Mission Log shop? Lots of really cool things. I mean, you've got the uh, bonk bonk on the head since 1966. Uh, My personal favorite, the Ditalics Mining Corporation shirt, and a bunch of old favorites too, like Cool as Kirk, uh, Ethos, Pathos, and Logos are there. Um, and it's not just the shirts. We, we tend to talk about the shirts because it is tea public, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's journals, it's tapestries, it's stickers. It's all kinds of things. And be sure to check back on the shop uh, periodically because uh, Carl just, I mean, he is a machine. He's not really a machine, 
Well, actually, I've never met Carl, so I can't say for certain <laughs> on a machine, not physically anyway. But uh, I mean, he just cranks out new stuff all the time. In fact, we've got three or four designs that John and I are going to be going over in the next couple of days um, that, are, that are a lot of fun. So, so yeah, go to uh, missionlogpodcast.com and then click on, uh, click on the shop link. And that will uh, that'll uh, turn you on to all the fun stuff that we have waiting there for you. So uh, I think it's about time to welcome our guest. By the way, one of our uh, listeners here says, any chance we can start calling Rod Roddenberry Rod? Well, I, I think we, we do, and we did, and uh, you probably <laughs> will too. So we're going to welcome <laughs> Rod into the show. You probably know him best as the uh, one-time summer intern on The Next Generation. Um, I, he's, I mean, that, that's pretty much the peak, right? No, no, of course not. Rod has done all kinds of stuff. So we'd like to welcome Rod to the show. Rod, are you there? I'm here, guys. Thank you for having me here. You know, it's a great show. I'm a huge fan. I listen to every episode. (laughs) (laughs) I do. It's, It's the truth. How many times have I called you guys and said, hey, guys, from a fan point of view, this is phenomenal. Uh, yeah, and it's not just contractual obligation either, is it? Uh, no, no, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Uh, that's very kind. Yeah, you mentioned at the live show that you usually do that when you're on a hike and you're huffing and pumping <laughs> and uh, out of breath. But we're always glad to get those calls. So yeah, these uh, lucky guys get get uh, someone on the phone, heavy breathing. <laughs> so in the last episode, I probably give you out of all the messages you get, I probably give you the, probably the most perverse sounding. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, easily. <laughs> Thank you for that. That's that's what I'm known for. So let's start with let's start with the party the other night because I mean the party the other night was kind of interesting. It was I mean a celebration of a celebration of diversity. It also went to like a good cause. But here's the thing, I mean you know, well I guess why? What was it that brought that about? Why did you decide to you know I, you know it's about time that we we do this thing. It's a it's a it's a great question, um, and and sadly the answer is not as cool as as people might hope for. I mean, you guys know the the main thing I want to celebrate is I mean you guys have been doing this for five years now, but TNG you just spent three and a half years dissecting every single episode and and critically thinking about it, and not just watching episodes once, but watching them multiple times. I mean, you guys really invested your lives into this podcast, and uh, that, that is something that I truly uh, uh, love about you guys. Um, I wanted to celebrate that. I mean, I, I felt that 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 you, not only you guys, but the the fans out there, deserved sort of a, a celebration for making it through. Those of you who have made it through, and um, I, I wanted to have a party, um, but I, I thought it was important to kind of open that up to the themes of Star Trek, which is the Idic philosophy and diversity. And I thought let's just call it a Roddenberry Night of Diversity. Um, let's meet at the Scum and Villainy Bar, a Star Wars bar, which, you know, kind of plays with the whole diversity concept. We are Star Trek celebrating at, uh, at a Star Wars bar. Um, and, and just let's, let's celebrate. I, you know, I don't want to get onto my, my soapbox, but things are, are so divisive out there. Whether it's, it's people responding to this show or anything out there, whether it's politics, religion, uh, NRA guns, you know, there are, we are so divided right now. And so many of us are so quick to judge. And I'm not necessarily saying you or anyone out there, but, you know, us, we all have this sort of uh, reaction anytime we hear something that we disagree with. And, and some of us post it out there. I, I wanted to have a night where, where we were all there to have fun. We, we're, as strange as we might be, we might be in costume. We might look different. We might have different ideas. This was just a night where we could put all that aside and genuinely sort of just as corny as it sounds, I genuinely mean it, have unconditional love for each other and be intrigued by our differences rather than appalled by them. In a nutshell. Oh, and by the way, and drink and have fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that part too. And, and we raised some money too. That, that was a nice thing we, uh, with proceeds going to uh, Amnesty International. So it was all for a good cause. Yeah, it definitely um, wasn't and- to make money, so... Yeah, yeah. So the, and and who knows? Hopefully, we will uh, we will do it again someday. Yeah. So uh, we'll certainly find it. Now, Rod, you, you mentioned something. You know, we we've got questions for you, and uh, hopefully, our listeners will chime in here with some questions for you. But um, you started out by talking about something that is 
in your experience, uh, kind of a, a central tenant of Star Trek. And I, I feel like Star Trek has a lot of core messages that it uh, it repeats in different ways through different types of storytelling. But Idik is one of those primary uh, uh, reasons for Star Trek. And um, you and I have had a conversation a few times, way back at the beginning of Mission Log and kind of throughout the years as we've gone along, talking about really how to define Idik. Yeah. We know that it's infinite diversity and infinite combination. We know that uh, your father famously, uh, and I'm going to butcher the quote because I don't have it in front of me, but talking about the, the special delight in people's differences, that, that is how we will progress. That is how we'll become a better humanity. Um, but I still have to ask myself, and I think you ask yourself too, is there a logical limit to Idik? Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's a tough one. And I've, I've struggled with that. And, and I, I know uh, a lot of people have um, infinite diversity and infinite combination. Well, infinite sounds like everything, right? It's, it's, uh, it, you have to honor every point of view. And on some level, I would say you have to honor every point of view. You have to hear every point of view. And have to is not the right term. But in the Idic philosophy, it's the idea of just at least being willing to hear every point of view. Um, it, and not only that, I, I think the idea of accepting various points of view, but there is a line. I mean, the, the line is when, when the point of view, when harm comes to, to others, when, um, and it's not just someone being offended, but when we're talking about genocide or, or, or something that really truly uh, finds a class of people and excludes them, that, that, you know, you've said it, John, you know, um, infinite diversity uh, discriminates against discrimination. <laughs> And that's the yeah, only well, thing it discriminates against. And it, it's, it's a bit of a, I don't know, for me, it's a conundrum because I keep thinking about it. Anytime we hear, hear a point of view, I want us to be open to it. As extreme as it is to just hear it, understand it, try to understand it from that point of view. But that doesn't mean you have to accept it. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy one for me. Um, yeah, I, 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 read, I, I read a long time ago uh, a line that I thought was really valuable. And I can't remember the exact book that it came from, but the line was, um, Idik is lost. not... Uh, uh, we can still hear you. Yeah. Ah, not, uh, you just came back in. There you go. Okay. Uh, that Idik is not tolerant of intolerance. Yeah. yeah. Um, because those are uh, contradictory. You know, yeah. intolerance is contradictory of tolerance. Um, yeah. And I, I think that we may drill down quite a bit further the longer we go in our uh, examination of Star Trek. But I think there's a, a kind of tolerance, acceptance, curiosity about other cultures, other people, other beliefs mm -hmm. that is greatly important. That it is just uh, fundamentally important to who we are as human beings. I think there's another end to it that says if that you are blindly accepting, blindly tolerant of all points of view, then uh, you may actually lose sight of the value of that tolerance. You, you, you may actually, uh, as you said, do more harm than good uh, by simply accepting everything without any sort of value or moral judgment call sure. on that point of view. Um, so it, it's something I'm curious because now we're jumping into deep space nine where the stories are going to get a little grayer, uh, playing in that gray moral area. Star Trek has never shied away from that, but we've also been in a storytelling format, uh, where very often we get to solve a problem and then move on, like literally move on from that problem. And, uh, the, the, the sort of style of deep space nine is that we actually have to stick around and see what the outcome is of those decisions. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's been, it's very interesting because I heard one of the distinctions and that, that I pretty much agree with it's, it's not foolproof, but that next generation was sort of that better humanity. And, and while they weren't perfect and no one wants perfect characters, we had evolved to a point where we, we were more uh, in line with it. We were more, I want to say tolerant, accepting of new ideas. We were, we were thirsting new ideas, deep space nine, um, we were more like we are today. It's easier for an audience member to, to, I think, identify with characters there because the kinds of behaviors and reactions they had were the kind that I think many of us, you know, identify with today. Um, but it didn't necessarily, I'm not saying it didn't, it didn't necessarily show the, the better humanity that next generation did, that we had sort of leaped beyond where we are today, our, our, 
or idiosyncrasies and those sorts of things. So, uh, but, but I'm really looking forward to watching Deep Space Nine because to those of you out there who want to uh, uh, get mad at me and, and, and call in and tell me I'm, I'm terrible, I've only watched probably about altogether 25 episodes, I'd say, somewhere between 25 and 30 episodes of Deep Space Nine. So it's going to be new for me, and I'm going to learn a, a, a great deal. I want to remind people, um, we would love it if you would also uh, call in with your questions, comments, what have you. Uh, the way to do that, of course, is the Zoom link that you'll see in the description, or you can click the one top number from your smartphone, or you can call us on the phone phone, uh, 669-900-6833. That number again, 669-900-6833. Uh, we spend a lot of time talking to each other about sort of the, you know, the headier, bigger things, but you don't have to call in and talk about philosophy if you don't want to. If you do, it's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, Rod's up for it and we're up for it, certainly. But if you want to, you know, ask questions about, you know, Star Trek, if you want to ask questions about the Roddenberry family, I mean, nothing, you know, terribly personal because don't be rude. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with personal and rude. <laughs> okay, terribly personal, though, I think is where we should draw the line. I don't sure, know. But sure, sure. Any kind of questions that you want to uh, uh, call in with. I kind of want to ask you the poll question. Not, uh-huh. not quite as binary, though. Not, you know, Star Trek entertainment or inspiration. But do you feel like Star Trek has a job? And if you do, what is the job of Star Trek? I, I don't know if I'm the best or worst person to to ask that question to or, or have an answer. Um, I obviously uh, have a different connection. Uh, we all have our own unique connections to Star Trek in terms of how we were introduced to it and how we watched it and how we uh, digested it over the years. I, I've, uh, I won't tell you my life story. There's a documentary. You can go watch that. Uh, <laughs> I, I became very proud of Star Trek after my father passed away. And as, as I went to conventions and talked to fans and, and people would come up to me and say, you know, because of Star Trek, I, I was either in an abusive relationship and got out of it. I, I, I didn't have hope for my future, but I got hope for the future. I, I didn't think I could become a doctor, but now I'm a doctor. I mean, these very inspirational stories that, that to me, I used to watch, you know, Knight Rider and Adam 12 and, and those shows, those, those were just entertainment and fun. I didn't know TV could do that. I didn't know Star Trek could do that. And to me, it was just a, oh my God moment. And so uh, to answer your question, very much so, I think Star Trek has the responsibility to, to inspire, to get people to consider different points of view, to, to, to let them know that they, their uniqueness is what makes them special. Anyone who's out there who feels like an outcast or was made fun of as a kid, that is your greatest asset because there's something about you. You look at life in a different way. You've, you, 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 take in content and, and you, you learn from that content in a different way than other people do, that, that's, your, that's your greatest asset. And that's how you can contribute most to society by sharing unique points of view. Um, so, so Star Trek has that responsibility in my point of view. If Star Trek is just entertainment, um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not interested. I'm really not interested. If it's just entertainment, I'm just going to go do something else. Um, so I'm very passionate about that. Sorry, go ahead. Well, no, that's okay. So I I guess what I wonder, though, because you and I sort of uh, are a little bit aligned in that respect, I think I would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you feel like you and I actually, uh, do you think people hold Star Trek to an unfair standard? Because I'm trying to think of like another, I'm trying to think of another uh, property, franchise, uh, continuing anything that we hold the same sort of standards to. Like, Like if Little House on the Prairie had suddenly gone incredibly dark. Okay, people might have been freaked out at that point, right? But I mean, there's very little I think that we that we hold to the same standard. Do you feel like we're are we asking too much of a TV show? I, I don't. I mean, Star Trek's done it basically for 50 years now. On some level, some shows more successful than others. Um, so it can be done. Uh, it has been done. Uh, there are, I don't know. Thousands, hundreds of thousands, dare I say millions of people that on some level have, uh, I know it's just a TV show, but it's not. People that have grown in some way from watching Star Trek. They've seen Devil in the Dark and they went, oh my God, who's the Devil in the Dark? The humans were the Devil in the Dark because they were, they were killing the crystals, which were the eggs of this mother simply trying to protect its children. Um, that, that, those kinds of episodes that get us to at least think and consider a different point of view are that is Star Trek. I, I mean, I'm happy to say for me, that is the backbone of Star Trek. And if it's not doing that, 
yes, it can be entertaining. It can be good science fiction. It could be great in itself, but it isn't, I will just say, it isn't Roddenberry Star Trek, in my opinion. Did I answer a question? <laughs> Did he sufficiently get? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's we're just having a conversation. So, I mean, yes. No, I'm not, I'm not grading or anything like that. <laughs> Okay, so then here's here's the next question. I mean, uh, continuing along those same lines, do you mind if I ask, and this, I don't know if this gets into a gray area, because, I mean, you are, uh, for a long time, you were not personally tied to Star Trek. You are now tied to Star Trek again. Obviously, we're not going to write season two of Discovery here, nor are we going to do anything else that, you know, like that. But you personally, sitting down as a viewer, where would you like to see Star Trek go? You know, you got to be careful with wording these days. I, I, I want it to be more optimistic. I want it to show the better humanity. Now, I'm not talking about superheroes, and I'm not talking about characters that aren't flawed. I'm not talking about not having conflict. Um, I, I want to leave, actually, each episode, even though Discovery has the, the, the 15 episode or whatever arc, I still want to have redeeming characters and Star Trek discovery has plenty of redeeming characters. It also has ones that are far from that. Um, But I I still want to leave each episode going like, you know what? I'm so glad that character made the hard choice. You know, I'm so glad that character took a risk and stood up and said, no, we are better than that. You know, this is, this is who we need to be. And discovery did that many times. and, And that's, those are the elements that stand out for me in in any Star Trek. Uh, those are the ones that I'm that I'm proud of. Proud to have the last name that I have, even if I'm hey. not responsible for those those scenes at all. Uh, well, Rada, it's interesting that you bring that up, uh, and, and I know that we have some callers who are standing by. We want to get to them in a little bit, but I'm looking at Facebook right now, and uh, Brett poses an interesting question. It says Rod, Star Trek right now is terrific at handling the issues. In TOS, they tackled a wide range of issues from tolerance to nuclear war, but it also tackled uh, some, uh, it tackled many, many other issues. What other off the beaten path issues can it tackle today? So, so what we were talking about earlier is, is what I want. I, I want all of us, and listen, I'm not pointing the finger out there and saying you're all wrong. I'm pointing it myself too, because I do the exact same thing. I, I want us all to be less reactionary when we read things. You know, there's, there's people, whatever online you see and someone's behaving a certain way, I want us to take a moment and, and think like, what is this person's life? What, what, what did they go through? I, it, this is a terrible example, but I, I saw the movie I, Tanya. And by, it's going to be a random example here, but <laughs> I know it was just a movie and I don't know how accurate the accounting was of, of her actual life, but taking the movie at face value it gave perspective into that person, that character, how they were brought up, how they perceived things. And, you know, it, it gave me a little bit of empathy towards the, uh, the I, Tanya character and, and perhaps, uh, yeah, her life. So I, I just kind of want us to read something online and say, so wh- what does this really mean? Where did this come from? Why did this person say this? And then, and then after a few moments of, of uh, digesting that, then we can put some critical feedback. And I, and I mean, critical, not angry, but I disagree with this. I disagree with that. Uh, this seems like a good point. That's, that's, I, that's what I think. I don't know how Star Trek would do that. And I don't know if that would be interesting, but I would love, I would love that somehow to be interweaved in the Star Trek. So, uh, as I mentioned, we do have some callers waiting, uh, but Ken, why don't we take care of a little bit of business before we get to them? Uh, thank you for the callers for standing by. Uh, Ken, I think you know what it's time for. It's time I think it's time for a word from uh, Eagle Moss, right, in the official Star Trek Discovery Starship Collection. I, I think it's time for me to bust out with the uh, teeny tiny, which is not so teeny tiny. Starship, uh, holding the Shinjo right here in my hand. By the way, I'm a little bit disappointed for for people who are watching the show tonight. uh, They may not realize that the three of us are in the same building. (laughs) We're in the same building. I'm in the recording room. Ken's in the conference room. Rod is in his office. It's a rarity that we are all three in the same place at the same time, but we're in separate rooms because... uh, because we don't get along. No, uh, because we had to for recording purposes. But Ken, I was really hoping that you and I would just chase each other around the office with our uh, teeny tiny starships for this commercial. 
That would have been cool. Actually, we had a whole bit planned and everything. And then about three minutes before the show was supposed to start, it turns out, uh, yeah, didn't work. Do it. So, okay. So anyway, John right there is, is playing with his not so teeny tiny starship. While he's doing that, I will tell you uh, that you could have a ship just like that one and a whole bunch of others because um, Eagle Moss wants you to get a discovery starship of your own, as well as a slew of ships from the latest Star Trek series. Uh, they're all part of the Eagle Moss Discovery Starships collection. Yeah, so on the Federation side, you've got ships like the Shinjo and the Discovery, the Corella, the Jaeger, and the Europa. Then flying in from Klingon space, you've got ships like the reimagined Klingon Bird of Prey and the Koch-class destroyer. That was for you. That, well, that, that's for everyone. <laughs> it really is. It's my I little gift. Yeah. Myself. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what you'll see when you go to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships are renderings that serve as the basis for the diecast models themselves, painstakingly reproduced as always under the supervision of Star Trek expert Ben Robinson. These are officially authorized by CBS Studios. They're about eight to 10 inches bow to stern, depending on exactly which ship we're talking about. They are hand-painted. They are rich in detail. Each comes with the awesome magazine full of real world and in universe information, and each comes with a display stand suitable for displaying your ships. So subscribers will get their first ship, the USS Shinjo NCC-1227, for only $9.95 with free shipping. Additional models, including the iconic USS Discovery NCC-1031, will then ship monthly for the special subscriber price of only $44.95 each. That is 20% off the standard retail price, also with free shipping. Now, people who want to pick and choose their ships can do that. For that, you go to shop.eaglemoss.com, or you can check your local comic shop. You're going to pay about 10 bucks uh, extra when you do that. Not extra, because you're not saving. So you're going to pay 10 bucks more, I guess is my point. Saving money isn't the only reason to subscribe, though. Subscribers get free gifts worth over $100 during their subscription. And if you start off by subscribing and say, you know, on second thought, hey, that's cool. You can cancel your subscription anytime you want. Yes, yeah, so to subscribe, you'll go to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. To buy individually, go to shop.eaglemoss.com. And a huge thanks to Eagle Moss for sponsoring this week's show. Now, I know John mentioned that we do have some callers lined up. Uh, you can also get in line and be a caller. Uh, click on the Zoom link in the description, or you can click the one tap number from your smartphone, or you can dial us the old fashioned way. 669-900-6833. That number again, 669-900-6833. And, uh, and you too could be talking to Mr. Rod Roddenberry, who is of course our guest this evening. John, who do we have lined up? It looks like we've got Joe ready to go. Maybe with a question for us, maybe with a question for Rod, maybe just a monologue. We don't know. He might just come in and do his own thing. So Joe, I believe we have you ready. Where are you, Joe? I am here, sir. How are you? There you are. Hey, hey Joe. Good. Hey. Um, I, I Well, a little bit of a monologue. I'll make it brief, but I do have a question for Rod. Um, first off, I am a huge fan, Ken, of macOS Ken. Thank you very much for that podcast. I love that show. Me too. I look forward to it every single day. Well, thank uh, you very much. Sorry about this week. Uh, no, that's okay, because I get to do this. So it's all worth it. This Blame makes me. up for it big time. Uh, well, thank, yeah. you, thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, John, um, I want to say I loved you on Star Trek Continues. Thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. I wish you could have rocked the beard on that show. However, I understand why they didn't. So Boy, a- tell me about it. That, that was pre-beard. Um, it was I, pre-beard, yeah. I, yeah, I, I like the way that I look now better than I did then. Maybe they can I just see me into that. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That was, that was before Riker was allowed to have beards, and so therefore you weren't allowed to have a beard either. So. Precisely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Rod, I... I want to say thank you for everything that you have done with, uh, with mission log, uh, mission log pod. It, I've been following this show for, uh, well, I got, I, I, I actually tuned in about halfway through the original series. So, um, it's been what about five years now or four, four and a half or so. 
Um, but I want to thank you for putting these two guys together because it's been fabulous. Yeah. You, uh, you said it credit where credit's due. It's it's I'll take the credit for putting these two guys together. The rest is pretty much them. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. Uh, and thank them. Um, my question for you is I, I was curious. I, I want to ask you about your mom. Mm-hmm. Um, there that, you know, we, we, we all, well, hopefully everybody knows that your mom, Majel Barrett Roddenberry, um, she played Loaxana Troy on uh, Next Generation. She played Christine Chapel before that. Um, but I was curious as to how her portrayal of Loaxana Troy and, you know, being a mom to Deanna, mm-hmm. how, that, how that actually worked with how she was a mom to you. Did, were, did you see any similarities there or did you see any differences well, and did you did, did anything that she did on screen mean anything to you off screen? That is a great question. Last part. I mean, it's all a great question, but the last part really is going to make me think of it. Uh, uh, you know, they, they didn't have the character and then cast my mom to play it. You know, my father said, Majel's going to be in the show. You better do something. Um, and so instead of like create a character, they pretty much let her be herself. Uh, Luoxana Troy, maybe slightly exaggerated, but sometimes not. That was my mother. Um, you know, she, she, you know, in the, in the eighties and seventies, she was a member of a golf club and it was back in the day when there was still on Thursdays, it was the men's lounge. Only men could go in there. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what she did? She went in there and not a single person would tell her to leave. And she'd sit at the table where the guys are smoking cigars and drinking whatever they're drinking. And, and she would rock it with all of them. She, she would tell the dirty jokes. And, and so she, she could handle herself quite well. Um, that, that's Luoxana. Um, she spoke what, what was on her mind and, and didn't care what anyone else uh, thought about it. And uh, that, that's so one of the things I loved about her. That last part of the question, was there anything like in an episode that kind of resonated or spoke to me? And, <sighs> You know, the, the most powerful one, and, and again, people are going to get mad at me, but oh, Half a Life, is that the one where the guy, uh, the guy, yeah. and, and we just Thomas lost and, that actor yeah. too, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, it's hard, it was, it's, it's been hard for me to see my mother on screen because I see her one way. I think she's like overacting when she's on screen, but to see that episode and to see the love that she had for that character and then the love I've seen her have for my father, sure. um, that that definitely gave me a moment to, to pause and think and, and, and to really sort of, uh, you know, tear up and understand that that scene was coming from the love for my father. You know, yeah. I, I know she dug in deep for that. And yeah, uh, up until that point, it was, it, was, that, that, it was a unique moment when I saw that first time. Yeah. Up until that point, I think that was, that was probably the most real that I think that we had seen her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Thank you very okay. much. I appreciate yeah. that very much. Absolutely. Yeah. I appreciate the question. And by the way, anyone listening, I, I'll, I'll take any question, you know, please. <laughs> I, if I, if I really I don't want to answer it, I will say I don't want to answer it, but <laughs> I will give you some sort of answer. You may not like it, but sure. Yeah. Joe, thank you so much. That, that was a, a great question. Really appreciate you calling in tonight. Uh, please join us again anytime. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Thanks. Terrific. Take care. Hey, and uh, Rod, uh, a question that came in on the Facebook chat that I wanted to share with you uh, that is kind of related to the idea of us going into Deep Space Nine. It's Jason. And Jason asks, one of the DS9 producers, I believe it was Rick Berman, was quoted as saying that they were able to do the show they did without breaking Gene's no conflicts rule in the main crew by having the main characters who weren't part of Starfleet. So what does Rod think of that and the idea that the aspirational future is with the Federation, not necessarily with the whole galaxy? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I like that. I, I, for all the criticism that's out there, whether it's about Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Rick Berman, other people on the show, um, I, I love what Rick Berman and the entire cast and crew, and I'm not just being political here, I love what they did with Star Trek, um, all of them. I mean, it could have gone in so many different directions, and I think... Rick Berman and all the writers and all the producers did what they could to retain my father's vision for Star Trek. And granted, you know, 
so often, I'm going to go on a quick tangent. People credit my father with all of Star Trek. Obviously, it was a collaboration. So many people made the original series, Next Generation, and of course, Deep Space Nine and everything beyond. So many people made it what it was. It was a huge collaboration. And uh, I, I don't want to just say my father did it all. I will say that he had sort of the, the, the main idea behind it, the the, the Idic philosophy, this better humanity. Anyhow, um, I, I think that's great. I mean, I, I'm fine with Star Trek where where the humans, for the most part, you know, get along and we are that better humanity. You know, we, we do fall down. We do make st- mistakes. We have respect for one another. We listen to the other ideas. We think about uh, opposing points of view, and then we make a, a decision from that. When there are the other characters in there, yeah, that's our opportunity to have conflict in those characters. You've got someone who may not uh, may not have that point of view to have a logical discussion and might be more reactive and and that yeah that that gives you your conflict in your show but i also think that there could just be conflict because the warp core is going to breach or 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 the planet's gonna it's got a weather phenomenon that's that that's conflict for me as well i want to remind people about um one two two and a half things before we get to our caller because kim is waiting uh, to join us in just a moment i want to remind you how you can join us as well there's the zoom link in the description you can click the one tap number from your smartphone or you can call the phone number that i've said a million times and yet i have not memorized it because it changes uh, 669-900-6833 that number again 669-900-6833 i'm pretty sure there were two other things i wanted to remind people about but i can only think of one right now if you're watching, if you're listening, and if you're on either Facebook or uh, YouTube, uh, please hit like, please hit share, because then you know, your friends will see that you're liking and sharing, and all of a sudden, we'll have more friends here. And won't that be fun, John? Yes. <laughs> that would be a lot of fun. Sorry, did I stump you? My, my bad. I, <laughs> hey, uh, we, do have, we do have a caller uh, waiting to talk to Rod this evening. Uh, Kim is joining us. Hey, Kim. Hi, Kim. Uh, hey, guys. How you doing? It's Kim. Okay. Welcome back, Kim. Um, What's on your mind today? tonight? Hey, great to be back. I'm looking forward to Deep Space Nine, but I'm glad you got Rod on tonight because I'm glad that he's he's holding the torch well, for continuing. I, 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 me the, and many other people. Yes. Yes. I'm glad. Very Thank glad. You. So, I have a one question for you. Um, so, how much on your executive producer credit for Deep Space or uh, Discovery did you actually have input for? Yeah. So, I mean, those of you who aren't in the industry and don't know exactly how the industry works, and to be honest, sometimes I don't know how the industry works. Um, executive producer credits can mean everything from simply a, a relative to, to someone who's there day-to-day working on scripts and, and contributing. Um, uh, what, what we do is that every uh, outline script revision that comes through, uh, we provide feedback and notes on that. And uh, we, we, we try to, to the best of our ability, should it not be going in a direction that we feel is, is Star Trek, we'll, we'll provide some feedback and, and hopefully a solution. And, and of course, uh, a reason why we, we feel the way we do. And, and the, the, the writers and, the, and other producers will look at it. And, uh, and we get to have a conversation with them, especially early on right now with uh, season two. It's really nice. We're interacting with the writers and, and sharing feedback. And it's, it's been a great experience because we're talking to them and they're hearing us and, and we're making suggestions and we're having discussions about it. And then they're explaining why they had the character do it in this way. And we're going, Oh, okay, well that makes sense. And um, I'm really happy the way uh, uh, we're interacting with the, 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 the hands-on guys um, at the production office. I don't know if that answers your question, but um, we're contributing. We're one of the contributors. By no means can we take credit for, for the series and, and, and going. There's so many people that are actually writing it and making it what it is. We're just trying to, I don't know, share our point of view every now and then to, to keep it as Star Trek as, as we can. Rod, I, I kind of have a follow-up question to that. Um, I'm curious, uh, it, you know, Star Trek fans are a vocal bunch. I don't know if you know that, but no, uh, they I'm like not, to talk about Star Trek. Yeah, it's very, really weird, right? Um, but I, I'm curious, you, you have everything from, uh, you know, online criticism and chat from the, the shortest tweet to long essays written about 
everything that Star Trek is getting right or wrong in sure. any guys, any version. And I'm just curious, you know, uh, for the production staff, for the writers who went through the development of Discovery and then the production of Discovery and now kind of the aftermath of season one and gearing up for season two. Um, how is that stuff filtered? Are, 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 is there feedback from the fans that, that they sort of take to heart and think, hmm, well, maybe there is a direction we could go in here because fans feel this way? Or do they sort of wall themselves off to think we need to stick to our creative vision here and not hear a million voices telling us what to do or not do? It's a good question. I, I don't for sure know the answer. I, I, I know that the, the the writers that we've been speaking to, our, our showrunners, uh, uh, Gretchen and Aaron, uh, they are very genuine people. And I, I, I think I would assume that they're working so hard to get these stories going and get them out there that it's not that they wall themselves off and don't want to hear what the fans have to say. I'm sure they're happy to hear what the fans want to say. But I can also imagine there's so much there's so many different points of view out there. I, I think we all know it can get discouraging no matter what, even if a majority of it's good to read the negative. Um, again, I, I don't know what they think, but I know they're genuine good people that do care about what the fans think and are happy to listen to what the fans think. I just don't know if they're actively on Facebook every day going, okay, this person likes it. Oh, okay. This, you know, so um, I, I know they care, uh, but at the same time, this is a new Star Trek. And so while they, they want to stick with continuity and they want to stick with canon, um, they, they're also sort of creating a, a new show. So the Discovery is a new ship. It's never been talked about in the past. They're creating new things. But trust me, uh, they are thinking about how that's all going to work into the canon that exists. So It's funny. Uh, uh, Earl says, first law of the Internet, never read the comments. Right, and, right. Uh, and Earl, I, I definitely agree with you there. That That's sort of the drive-by comment that I, I can't stand. But I, I do wonder, you know, obviously fans will write essays and blogs and they'll contact the, the production office directly. And, and, and some of them might have very impassioned and very thoughtful comments mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. that could find their way incorporated. It's different from the days of the open submission policy. Um, mm -hmm. that, that was a whole other thing. But, uh, but you feel like if there are enough voices leading one way or the other, there might be producers or writers who say, huh, maybe we should listen to that. Uh, Kim, any other thoughts tonight before we, uh, we move along? Uh, I just want to say, Rod, thank you for staying with Star Trek. Just happy about that. And, uh, John, you're a uh, Han. Mirror Universe Han Solo. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Awesome, awesome. I saw some pictures from oh. Kenna. So it was awesome. So oh, thank you. Definitely great job, guys. Keep with it. And uh, I'll be here next week. Thank, Thank you, Kim. Thank, yep. Thank you, Kim. You've never heard of the ISS Enterprise? It's a ship that made the castle run and... Oh, wait a minute. A <laughs> measurement of right. uh, distance, not time. Uh, we, we have an interesting comment, Rod, that I want to run by you here. Richard Turner says, I have one request for Rod. Sure. Please find a way to bring back the Star Trek experience. It was so great in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, I know nothing about why that really didn't take or why that didn't last any longer. But uh, it, it was it was fun. It was. I remember it being actually kind of expensive too. But man, I, I remember when it first opened. I had a, a triangular burger. I don't think they kept doing that. But for some, I was younger and I thought that was a really cool thing. So yeah, I had. Uh, I, I didn't have that. I had the, uh, what's that? No, I was just going to say that was an absolutely amazing thing. I, I I say this shamelessly. The first time I rode the experience, I cried when I got to the bridge. I mean, I didn't like like I didn't like you know blubber, but I teared up because I it was as I as I've said a million times, that was my Star Trek and standing there and and everything had been sort of like really neat up to that point. But then when you're standing on the bridge, it was I mean I was there and I was uh, yeah. And then the other time I cried was the only other time I was on that bridge when it was about to close. It's about three weeks oh. later. Well, maybe what there's going to be a virtual reality experience in the future where you can stand on a bridge somewhere at some point. Oh, I, I, I like the way you think, Mr. Visionary. Crying my eyes out all the time. That doesn't seem like the best thing in the world. <laughs> that, that messes up the VR. Come cry with Ken. Yeah. Yes, uh, that'll be a fun. 
fun. That'll be an idea for a show. Hey, uh, two things to remind people about. I actually remember both things this time. First of all, nice. one of them is the thing I was going to remind people of last time. We're running a poll right now. Uh, I watch Star Trek four, and that would be either entertainment or inspiration. So we're running the poll right now. That was one of the things I was going to remind people about. And the other thing I was going to remind people about is there's another show coming on after this one. And you say, well, yeah, because it's the planet and those kinds of things happen. But I mean another show actually in the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Right after our show, stay on Facebook and catch the live recording of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Uh, Each Tuesday, uh, sometime between uh, 11 Eastern and maybe 10 past 11 Eastern, uh, 8 and 8.15 Pacific, let's say. Other times, other places, if you're a stickler. Uh, Elijah, Kenna, and Tony uh, bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse, uh, TV and movie news, gaming news, literary reviews, plus just a whole bunch of other stuff. As I say, they kick off usually about 10 or 15 minutes after we finish this show. So, you know, stretch your legs, grab a snack, and then sit right back down in front of your computer. Let's face it, you were going to anyway, weren't you? And, uh, you know, check out the show that's coming up after this one. Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast streaming live as it happens at Facebook.com slash Priority One podcast. And if you can't catch it live, uh, wherever you uh, download your podcasts, uh, be sure to download Priority One because tons of other Star Trek stuff happening and uh, part of the Star Trek universe as well. John, we had talked about doing a lightning round uh, with Mr. Roddenberry. Do you have another comment that you want to hit on Facebook first, or should well, we go ahead and, uh, and and strike with the lightning? I, I want to save the lightning round just a minute because I, I have okay. a couple of comments here. That I, well, first of all, my own comment. Uh, I'm glad that we got to reminisce about the experience a little bit because mm-hmm. uh, all, all three of us enjoyed uh, space burgers, uh, space salads. We enjoyed many drinks in uh, Warp Corby. classes. Yeah, served in a space glass or a space yeah. bowl. Uh, as it were. Uh, but, but Rod, I, I remember you saying how much your mother loved Star Trek, the experience. Yeah. Yeah. No, she, she, uh, she always went there and she, she really, enjoyed, she, she would hang out in the bar. I mean, with, with everyone else. Um, so I, 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 I know she loved it. She, she's the one who took me there when it opened and uh, it, it kind of blew my mind. I loved the beaming effect. Um, but I, I think, you know, my, my parents, they were never really celebrities or at least they never really thought of themselves as celebrities. They, 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 they knew where Star Trek came from and Star Trek didn't necessarily just come from Paramount at the time or, or Desilu. Um, it, it came from the fans and, and, and that's what I really mean. Yeah, sure. Desilu actually put it on the air, but the fans are the ones who kept it on the air. The fans are the ones who are passionate. They're the ones that wrote in. Um, they really helped shape Star Trek and keep it around. So when she went to conventions, any convention, um, she, she enjoyed being with the fans and it wasn't just about the praise. She was just very proud. I think of, of being a Roddenberry, being married to my father and being a part of that wonderful series. And, and that's kind of how I feel too. I said it earlier that having people come up to me and said, what your dad created is, is inspired me. It made me believe in a better future. And today I'm this or I, whatever. So Yeah. All right. And, a, and that, uh, that is, I was going to say really quickly, that is a thing too. I mean, we're in, uh, John and I are very uh, lucky position being able to work with you, honestly. And, and so just by virtue of the fact that we go to STLB, we're at your table. And if you're not there, I can't tell you how many stories I've heard about how great your mom yeah. was. Like, like people That's who, you know, oh, I was really hoping to see Eugene. They'll often say, I was really hoping to see Eugene because I wanted to tell him about the time that his mom did this or the time that his yeah. mom did that. And so, I mean, yeah. when you say that, it's easy for us to say, yeah, my mom's great. But I mean, a lot of people have walked up to me and, and told me that your mom's great. So yeah, your mom's yeah. great. And she didn't just sit there and sign and take money. She interacted with everyone. You know, there's a number of actors out there that just sign and take the money and don't even make eye contact. Um, I won't say yeah. anything Specific, Shatner, but um, uh, you know, <laughs> my mother was uh, not one of those. Hey, uh, a very quickly, although it's not a, a quick question, but before we get to our lightning round here, John Cooley says, "Yeah, one of my biggest pet peeves are those times when fans will say, quote, clearly the writers don't know Star Trek, when in my experience they know Star Trek very well. Can you speak to the fans about that aspect of Discovery's Trekkies that you've met?" 
Yeah, that that's that's a, a really that's a tough one. You know, it, it, I think it depends on how uh, I'll use the word tolerant you are. Um, uh, these these writers, they didn't start as Star Trek fans. They're not diehard Trekkies uh, like like many of us are. Uh, they certainly are now, and they have learned a tremendous amount, and they've surrounded them themselves with people who are, um, and and they get it. I, I think. I don't know firsthand, but I think we've heard the story that J.J. Abrams, he says he wasn't really a big Star Trek fan, but of course, working on the, the series, he became inspired and learned about Star Trek and learned from the fans. And, you know, it really uh, um, grew for him. And it's something that I'm sure he's got fond memories of now. Um, I, I, I think the, the writers now really do understand what Star Trek is to a degree. And I'm not going to claim they know it like any of you out there. We all have our different uh, connections with Star Trek. Um, but they're, they're, they're really taking the next step. I mean, we all know it's a different format. We're doing arcs over an entire season. We're not bundling things up in one episode. We're not wrapping it all up with a, with a fluffy message uh, necessarily. Um, and that's, that's tough. It's a, it's a format change. Um, but I think uh, the end of the season really did give us that inspirational message. And, and Starfleet kind of started us on the way as to what Starfleet needs to be. And I think you'll see more of that in season two. This is, it's, it's a much bigger arc. And uh, I've even had to wrestle with that myself, uh, realizing that we, we are now growing not over an episode. We are growing over seasons. And uh, I, I think, I, think I, I know a little bit about season two, so I think we're all going to be pretty happy if we're looking for um, that, that optimistic view. Cool. Just a couple of shout outs here to uh, Trekkies on the staff, Ted Sullivan, uh, Jordan Nardino. Those are coming in from Aaron. Uh, I was typing Ted into Sullivan the, uh, is yeah. a huge Star Trek fan. And yeah. he's, I, I can speak to the fact, even though I've, I haven't really spoken to him directly, I've heard enough things. This guy, he loves it the way we do. Cool. And of course, Kristen Beyer and so many. Uh, but you know what? Time for the lightning round. We, we got a few minutes here to uh, lightening it up. So, uh, Ken, yes. Will. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few minutes. So, uh, so uh, favorite series, sir? Is this me? Yeah. Oh, I'm TNG. I was born and raised with TNG. I mean, I just, it is that better humanity. Favorite Sorry, movie? That wasn't, that wasn't lightning. Sorry. Uh, favorite movie, uh, First Contact? Oh, yeah. A Star Trek movie, by the way. Yes. It's not your yes. place. <laughs> I taught you. It's I taught No. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever movie uh, I saw five minutes ago. Favorite Star yeah. Trek hero? Hero, hero. I mean, I, 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 it's data. I mean, he is a hero. I mean, even at the end of Nemesis, you know, yeah, Mm. data. Mm. For me, it's always the character that shows us our humanity. So it's usually the aliens that, that, that make us look at ourselves and go, Oh, good point. Uh, Favorite villain slash foil. You know, I, I, I always love Moriarty. The, I can't remember it was two or three episodes, whatever that, that, that character arc was where he grew beyond just the character in the story. Um, I, I do mm-hmm. feel bad that we tricked him in the end, but he does have an entire universe to explore. So it gets into a little bit of that black mirror. Uh, what, you know, what, what are the ethics in that situation? But that's something for another, another uh, mission log live. All right. Uh, favorite enterprise. D uh, I, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, D, oh, D. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. hey, quickly, my mother, when, when we first saw it back in, I guess, 86, whenever they're doing, I remember my mother and I was so young saying, it looks like a pregnant duck. <laughs> um, so at that she time, wrong. I don't think she, like, she wasn't wrong. <laughs> you know, I don't think the enterprise needs to look sleek and cool and all that. I, I think it, it, it just in the, it, it looks the way it does. And, and that's the way a ship should look. And, it doesn't need to be aerodynamic. Anyhow, Enterprise D, sorry. Uh, favorite uh, Star Trek drink? Uh, Warp, Warp Core Breach is the only thing I can think of. That's a yeah, real drink. I think we know the answer, who's your captain, because almost every answer has been about the Enterprise D. So I'm going to throw you a curve and say, who's your doctor? Yeah. Oh, good, 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 good. I, I think uh, DeForest Kelly, I think Bones, believe it or not. Not that mm. I didn't like the others. I just, I, I love his reactions to things and how passionate he was. And damn it, man, or whatever it was. He was, 
It was he's yeah. always that was a great revelation about watching TOS. Is that he's always reacting. He's always involved in the scene, no matter what. Yeah. Even if he yeah. doesn't have a line, you know. Uh, uh, favorite piece of Star Trek tech. Uh, uh, oh, 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 replicator. I mean, absolutely the replicator. The the minute yeah. we can all have whatever we <laughs> value, items are no longer valued. Ideas are valued. And that's a longer. Well, discussion. gosh. You may actually enjoy this week's mission log because the replicator comes up a time or two. Unfortunately, we have run out of time, but dude, thank you very much for for spending an hour with us tonight. And uh, I'm really hoping that maybe we can get you back again someday. Uh, yeah, we'll see. My schedule's busy, but you know, I'll yeah, just run down to your office right now. And <laughs> work it Bye. I want to let people know anyway, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment Executive Producer. What? Rod Roddenberry. Uh, technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks producer Brandon Bradley. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log and Mission Log Live, but also Women at Work, Priority One, and The Trek Files. And we would again like to thank Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starships Collection for sponsoring this show. Be sure to check out their fine wares, eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.